0: Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emanuel Church where we are one church in multiple locations. We believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In just a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is inspiring to you and relevant to your life. First though, if you've not yet joined us for a live service, we encourage you to visit eclife.org for our service times and locations so that you can experience Emanuel live in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you would like to give financially, we invite you to do so at eclife.org by clicking on the giving tab and choosing online campus as your campus. Thank you again for joining us. We hope that this message will help guide you on your own spiritual journey. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you doing today? We are starting a brand new series today called Mind Games, and we wanted to start right out of the gate with the video by messing with your mind. Welcome to Emmanuel. Hey, uh, really quick, I just want to apologize. I'm getting over the flu right now, so my voice sounds a little bit weird, so I apologize. You'll have to endure that for uh, the next couple of moments. Uh, But I'm going to do my best to get this message out to you. How How many other people are just getting over some type of bug, flu? Man, it's just been going around. I shared a piece of cake with my daughter last week. She had the flu, I didn't know it. We ate off the same fork and I got sick. So kids, you know what I'm saying? So, Uh, but welcome to all of our campuses, our Bandit Campus, Franklin Campus, our online campus and our, our Purdue microsite. Welcome everyone, everyone here at the Greenwood Campus. Want to welcome everyone today, everyone watching online all across the world. Uh, brand new series today called Mind Games, and I just want to start off by, by observing or talking a little bit about how powerful the mind really is. Uh, people, scientists say that we think up to sixty to 70,000 thoughts every single day. Now, a lot of those are the same thoughts, but that's still a lot of thinking. They tell us that there's 100 billion neurons in the brain sending out messages up to 270 miles an hour out to the body. That's incredible to me. They tell us that the human brain can hold four terabytes of information. Now, I didn't know how big a terabyte was, so I looked it up. Each terabyte, one terabyte, is a thousand gigabytes one gigabyte is a thousand megabytes. Listen, I still don't understand it, but that's a lot of information inside the human brain that can be stored. The human mind is incredibly powerful. Scientists tell us that if you look at a picture of a loved one, a family member, it can reduce physical pain in your body up to 44%. How does that work? I have no idea. But the mind is incredibly powerful. When we're watching movies, the the human mind cannot discern what is real and what is unreal. This is why people go to horror movies. Now, I personally don't go to horror movies. Um, If you go to horror movies, I think you're strange. Okay? But, you know, see, you didn't know you'd come to church and get judged. That's how it works, apparently. No, it normally doesn't work that way. But um, I'm just not into horror movies. But, but the, the reason people go to it is because when they go to it, they, they scare the blank out of themselves. You know what I'm saying? Because their brains cannot tell if it's real. Is it? And they literally feel the what? The, the, come on, the, the fear. They feel it because their brain is, is, is unable to discern. Is this real? Is this unreal? Like the human brain is incredible. Incredibly powerful. How many of you have heard of the placebo effect? And when a drug company comes out with a new drug, they have to do all these trials and give the drug out to so many people. They also have to give it out, give out these, these saline pills or these sugar pills that have no active ingredients in it. And what they found is amazing. Many, many times the people that, that take the placebo pill, the, the, the saline pill or the sugar pill have almost the same effect or, or same change in their body than the peop- that the people in, the, in this group over here who actually took the drug had. Why is that? How does that work? It's because of the expectation in the brain. Like, oh, I'm taking medicine that's going to make me better. And the brain is powerful. How many of you believe today that your mind, your thoughts have a powerful effect on the quality of your life? It's true. It's true. James Allen wrote a book called Think As a Man Thinketh back in 1903. He said this. I love this quote. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You'll be tomorrow where your thoughts take you a powerful idea. In your notes, I wrote it like this. The quality of your life is really the product of your thoughts. The quality of my life that I'm experiencing right now, whether it be in my marriage or my parenting or my health and fitness or my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, the quality of my life is a direct product of the quality of my thoughts, not my circumstances. We always want to look to the, well, my life is the way it is because of the circumstances, what she did, he did, what the boss did, what the culture's doing, what's what's going on in the economy and what what the job at the company is doing. We always want to look to the circumstances to determine the quality of our lives or speak to the quality of our lives. It's not true. It's not true. It's how we're thinking about everything that determines the quality of our life. Norman Vincent Peale was a pastor in New York City many years ago, actually not that many years ago. He's no longer alive, but he said this, change your thoughts and you change your world. He wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Is this biblical? Is this a biblical idea? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, say it with me, think about what? These things, what's true, noble, and right, and pure, and lovely, and excellent, anything worthy of praise. In other words, fill your mind with excellent, praiseworthy, pure awesome thoughts. Why? Because what we think about determines the quality of our life. You with me, yes or no? So if Christians, people, believers, disciples, and people in general, even people who are not believers, if we had an enemy, someone that was trying to take us down, wipe us out, destroy our marriages, destroy our reputation, destroy our bodies, Where would that enemy try to assault us? Where would be the first place that he would go? What do you think? You think he would go to the mind? In your notes, I wrote it like this. Our our enemy starts his attack or his attack begins with an assault in our mind, in our thoughts. This is what he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He comes in and he slithers into the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3. And he says to Eve, "Um, Eve, did God say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Eve says, no, of course not. God said we can eat from any of the trees. We want to. Any of the fruit from any of the trees, except for that tree over there. God said if we eat from that tree over there, the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we will die. Look at verse 4. You won't die. God's lying to you. You won't die. See, if you eat it, Eve, pay attention. Um, God just knows that you'll be like him, knowing good from evil. And on. Translation, you cannot trust God. God is holding out on you. He's got something good over here that he's not willing to share with you. And Eve buys it, buys, it, buys the lie, stops trusting God, she eats the fruit gives some to her knuckle-headed husband, and he eats it too. (laughs) Jesus said this about Satan. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. Why? Because he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. He hasn't really changed his tactics with us. He doesn't need to. It worked with Eve. It works with us. See, Satan's goal is to cut us off from the life that God has planned for us. Jesus has come to bring us eternal life and abundant life, and all Satan wants to do is, is, is prevent us from living into a life filled with meaning and purpose and love and joy and peace and strength and courage and purity and goodness. And say all Satan wants to do for, for every human being is just to just cut us off from the life of God. And his main strategy is to work in our minds. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. If God cared about you, he wouldn't have let that happen to you. He wouldn't have let your aunt die. You're all alone in this world. Nobody really cares. You can't really reveal your heart to anybody. Nobody really loves you. Nobody will understand. It's always going to be this way. You'll always be depressed. You'll always have this struggle. No one's really for you. Everyone's really against you. Lie upon, lie upon, lie upon. You'll never be good enough. Nobody really cares. Nobody really loves you. Does that sound familiar? Have you heard his voice? Where does he attack us? Where does he assault us? He assaults us in the area of our mind. Because our mind and our thoughts directly impacts the quality of our lives. Jesus said it this way, the thief has come, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil didn't come to hang out and get us to sin a little bit. It's not what it says, folks. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to end it all, get you to commit suicide, ruin your marriage, destroy your relationship with your kids. These are not fun words. Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I've come, on the other hand, to give them life and give it to them abundantly. And all Satan wants to do is cut you and I off from that life. Another way to say it would be this, to say it this way. Satan's goal, his plan, is to create a stronghold. In your notes, circle that word stronghold. Stronghold. Satan's goal is to create a stronghold in your mind. Now, this word stronghold in the Bible is actually used of God many times in the book of Psalms. And all it simply means is a, a fortified, safe place place where you can't get in so you hear you're hear the psalmist if you love reading the psalms I encourage you to read the psalms you'll hear them say things like God you're my refuge you're my fortress you're my stronghold you're my pl- all that simply means is you're my place I can go to you and you're my place of safety you're my place of protection it's a fortified almost like a military base and that's, so that's how the word is used in the pod- in a positive sense In a negative sense, it's used of Satan by the Apostle Paul as an internal mental prison that you cannot escape from. A stronghold. Built one lie upon one lie upon another lie upon another lie until the walls are so big that you cannot escape fear. You cannot escape anxiety. You are a prisoner to greed. You are a prisoner to lust. And there's just all of these lies built up around. And it's an internal mental prison. And that's how the devil, that's how the enemy, destroys your life. With thoughts, lies, a stronghold. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh or in the body, we're not waging war according to the flesh. All that simply means is that we live in this body, but our battle is not against people. It's not against something physical. In another letter to the, he, to the Christians in Ephesus, Paul says, oh, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and dark places, spiritual forces, dark satanic forces. That's what Paul is saying here. He's repeating himself. For though we live in the flesh, we don't wage war against the flesh. flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not guns and bombs and machine guns. That's what he's saying. Knives and and other things like that. Swords. We're not going to use the weapons of this world to fight our wars. But we have divine powers to destroy. And then he says it. Strongholds. The strongholds. That the enemy produces in our lives in our lives through the lies that he tells us, one after another after another. Well, if we're not gonna use guns and bombs and swords and knives to destroy the enemy, what are our weapons? Like what 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 are we gonna use to tear down these strongholds? Listen to the next sentence. Paul says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We destroy, we demolish these strongholds. How? By taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And there it is. You see, the the weapon that God gives us to tear down the strongholds that Satan builds in our lives to cut us off from the life that Jesus came to give us is the power to control our minds. But not just to control our minds, But to take every single thought that comes into our mind, to take it captive, to take hold of it, to trap it, and bring it underneath obedience to Christ. Bring it into alignment to Jesus and his truth. Is this thought, does this thought reflect the truth of God's word? If it doesn't, it's got to go. I can, I can filter all of my thinking, all of my thoughts through the truth of God's word. If it's in alignment with God's word, I'll keep it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to produce power in my life. It's going to set me free. If it's not, I'm going to get it out. I'm going to take every thought captive. Is this making sense? This is your divine weapon to tear down strongholds. It's the truth of God's word. So when I say, man, read the Bible, man, get in the Word, memorize it, I'm, I'm telling you to prepare for war. You say, well, Danny, why do you read the Bible every day? I read it again this morning. Not because I can, so I can tell you I read the Bible and tell, my, tell myself as a good Christian. It's like I'm
1: going into battle.
0: And the enemy's want to steal, kill, and destroy what? My whole life, my relationship with my kids, my marriage, my character, this church. I have to get in the word of God. I've got to take every thought captive and bring it under the authority and leadership of Jesus. This is the way Jesus said it in John chapter 8. If you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples. And then, and only then will you know the what? The truth. The truth about what? About who God has made me. The truth about reality. The truth about his character. Remember what the devil said to Eve. He He lied to her about the character of God. And she bought it. God's holding out on you, Eve. He hasn't revealed the whole truth to you. Then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. From what? From the strongholds. From the the lies that Satan has built up in our life that has caused us to be trapped. You know what this series is really all about? This series is about breaking free from what I think are four common strongholds and we're just going to look at these lies that satan tells us and we're going to look at some truth that are going to tear that stronghold down and then we're going to go home how's that does that sound like fun that's what we're going to do every week for the next 4 weeks so i want to look at this this first lie that satan has, has told us and so many people have bought into it i was tempted to buy into it years ago and i got set free from it myself and here here it is you ready for it this is the first lie of the, of the first 4 weeks don't 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 take your, your walk with god too seriously you say really, Satan tells me that. <laughs> you betcha. You may not hear it like this; it may come at a different, come at you from a different angle. Like, you know, just chill out. You said the prayer. You're going to heaven. Don't 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 get too don't go too overboard with faith. If you went too overboard with faith, um, People will think you're weird. You know, one of those, you have any weird Christians at work? It's okay, you can raise your hand. You know any of these weird people? They're weird. If you go all in, if you start taking your faith seriously, everyone will put you in that group. You don't wanna be in that group because that guy's weird, that girl's weird. So don't take it too seriously, don't take your walk with God too seriously. Besides, if you, took, if you really went all in on this deal, like people would just call you out because they know you don't know squat about this book. And then you get all serious about faith and start inviting them to church and, you know, get all into it. And, and then they start asking you questions and you, you don't know anything about this book. And then what? You're going to end up looking like what? <laughs> An idiot. Because after all, you've never been trained, you don't know the Bible. You leave all the serious Christianity to the pastors and the clergy. Oh, I hate that word, clergy. (laughs) Don't get too serious because if you get too serious, people will think you're a big fat hypocrite. I mean, you've been living for a decade or two, like a heathen. I mean, sure, you go to church on the weekend, but you know, you're sleeping around, you're doing this, getting drunk, you know, you kind of blend in with everybody. If you suddenly get serious about your faith, people say, dude, you slept with her last weekend. Come on. Like you, <laughs> chill out. Don't get too serious. I mean, I'll go to church on the weekends, maybe give a little money, maybe join a small group, but then I'm going to chill. This lie, and I'm not going to let the ladies off the hook here, but this lie is really, I think, tailor-made for dudes, for guys. And here's why. Here's why I believe that. Because the role of a man inside of his home, according to this book, is to set the spiritual temperature in his home. That's not the woman's job. Doesn't make him more important, ladies. Just to clarify, nobody's more important in the... It's just roles. The role of the husband is to create the spiritual temperature of the home. So if, if Satan can get the husband to just kind of like, <laughs> I'll leave all that Christian stuff to the women and the children. And I'll play softball on the weekends. And I'll watch football. I'll watch the NFL. Yeah, get the season ticket. You go off to church, honey, and I'll watch football ride my motorcycle and go lift some weights. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how many women come to church on the weekend with their kids. Where's your husband? Oh, he's home. Why? Because now he gets the home. Now Satan gets the home and, there's, and, the, and the husband is not stepping up into his spiritual leadership role that he's called to to set the spiritual temperature in the home. Why? Because he's chilling. He lifts heavy things and eats a lot of pizza. <laughs> right? And he's a tough guy. And spiritual things are for the women and the children. So Satan loves, I'm not, ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook here, but Satan loves to feed this lie right to the heart of a man. A man doesn't want to look silly, doesn't want to be embarrassed. So he doesn't get too serious about faith. sits in the back row. I'm not picking anybody sitting on the back row. Maybe I am. (laughs) Sits in the back row, doesn't take a note, doesn't really pay attention, if he comes at all. Nods a few times. Agrees, maybe. But would never start to take this whole thing with Jesus too seriously. Can't. It would mess with his life. And so, as a result, the faith of many Christians is enough to make them miserable But not enough to make them happy. That's the result. It's like they know they should, and they know they should lead their family, and they know they should do this, and they know they should do business a little bit with more integrity. They know they should be a little bit more sexually pure. They know, they know, they know, they know, they know. They know they should give more money, be more generous. They know, they know, and they don't, and they don't take it seriously. And so they walk around with kind of like this, I guess I'm going to heaven when I die, but this really sucks. Just being honest, guys. Now, I know some of you are mad at me right now, and that's okay. You can be mad at your preacher every now and then. It's the way it should be. Just also encourage me sometimes, too. You know what I'm saying? When I say something good. Our faith is, 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 is there. We don't take it too seriously, so it's, like, annoying to us. It certainly doesn't fulfill us. So the average Christian knows about God, but they don't know God. They know that he is love, but they don't experience his love. They know that he is peace, but they walk around without peace. They know that he is all-powerful, but they walk around with powerless lives. They know that he calls to live us, live a holy life, but we walk around with life-dominating sins like pornography. Why? Because we just, we're just chilling. We're just chilling. I don't want to take it too seriously. don't want to go all in. It's a lie, guys, ladies. It is a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm so glad years ago, I, I, was, I was thankful to run into some people that revealed that lie, that, that, that spirituality is a feminine idea. And that was in my head because growing up, growing up, my mom was the spiritual force in my life. And so my dad was out playing softball on the weekends. What, now, what does every boy want to do? Sunday morning, dad goes off to play softball. Mom takes the kids to church. Do you think I'm happy about this? I am raging mad. Mom, I want to hit balls. I want to dive in the dirt. Dad's coming home with raspberries on his side, pants are dirty, you know, stuff under, you know, he's I got a triple. I'm like, and oh, no, I was at church. Thanks, Mom. It wasn't always like that, but a lot, of, a lot of weekends it was. A lot of weekends I was at the Ball Diamond. Here's the truth that I believe is going to set us free today you can be as godly as you want to be. And I chose those words very carefully. It may not make sense to you yet, but let me, let me explain. You can be as godly as Billy Graham, you can be as godly as Mother Teresa. There's no special place for godly people. It's just anybody. Anybody can be as godly as they decide that they want to be. Man, woman, teenager, doesn't matter. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, "But you are to be perfect." The Greek word is telios. It means fully mature. Full-grown, complete, lacking nothing. You are to be Telios, even as your heavenly father is Telios. Wow. I mean, do we ever tell our kids, hey, guys, school year's getting ready to start. C's would be just fine this year. Now maybe you have because your kids usually get Ds, I'm not sure. Uh, but normally, we tell our kids, "Man, year let's go. 4.0. Let's go get straight A's. Let's go like we we aim high." We don't tell our kids go for C's. This is God's father heart for you. I want you to go all in. Just I want you to I want you to shoot for perfection. I want you to shoot for completeness. I want you to go all in on this dear, and deal and become just like your heavenly Father. Jesus wouldn't have said this if this were not a possibility. In fact, Paul uses the same word, teleos, in his letter to the Christians in Colossae when he said this, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present, offer everyone fully mature. Teleos. In other words, the purpose of preaching, the purpose of the church is to present every man, woman, and child, telios when Christ returns, fully mature, to go all in on what? Developing yourself into Christ-like character. That's the goal. You can be as godly as you want to be. Now, I chose that second word in, on purpose, want, because many of us just don't want to. In fact, I've talked to people about going all in and like, Danny, if I go all in, I'd have to give up, you know, sleeping with my girlfriend and this or that. I'd have to give up, you know, my. And I kind of like that stuff. Okay. That's short-sighted. That's not really understanding the offer and what's on the table. Not really understanding what, what abundant life really is. But I understand it. I get it. Let me see if I can provide a little motivation for myself and for you uh, today, to, to go all in and to, 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 go, to get past this lie that Satan throws at us, that just, oh, don't get too serious about the whole faith thing. You are going to be dead far longer than you're going to be alive. <laughs> you say, how? That's not very motivating, Pastor D. Uh, help me out. <laughs> well, let me explain. Let me explain, Okay. You're not going to be dead, dead, like dead, dead, like out of existence, okay? Because we're eternal beings, so we're going to live somewhere forever. So I'm not talking about dead, dead. I'm talking about dead in terms of like this life being over. You're going to be dead far longer than you're going to be alive. What does that mean? It it, it simply means that you are going to spend far more time in the next life than you will in this life. This life, the average person right now, and I got a lot of statistics on this, and they all kind of, the average person lives about 78 years old. Women, I think it's like 81. Men are like 76. Isn't it interesting how the women always outlive the men? Not sure why. Maybe because we're more risk takers. I don't know. Um, So we got about 78 years on this planet, and then we die. But we don't die. We go on living. And we're going to spend far more time in the next life than we will in 78 years. I mean, think about 78 years. That's not very long. And that's like, you know, the average. A lot of us don't won't get 78 years. What does that mean? Well, if that's true, we should be able to pick up this book and find encouragement to kind of live for the next life. If we're going to live, spend far more time in the next life than we will in this life, we should hear things like this Lay up treasures in your, for yourselves in heaven. Some of you have read it. That's great. Lay up treasure. Jesus said it this way: Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. In other words, don't live just for this life. In other words, live this life, this life, so that you will have a better life in the next life. Paul would take that language and add his own metaphor to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, Do not do you not know that. In a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way, live in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, take your 78 years right here on earth and live it in such a way that your eternity is absolutely a prize. It's fantastic. In other words, this life impacts the next life, which makes complete sense. I mean, why would God give us 78 years here anyway if we're going to spend most of our lives some other place? Well, it's because this life is meaningful and it impacts all eternity. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul said this, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly, say it with me, the prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He was focused on the prize. Now, what is the prize? Well, the Bible talks about rewards in heaven and crowns that we're going to put at Jesus' feet one day. And there's all kinds of stuff like that going on. And there's levels of leadership and authority in the next life. And, 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 and all of that is true. And we'll do a series on that one day. It'll be a lot of fun. But what is the, the real prize? What do we get? Well, I believe the treasure that we're laying up for ourselves in heaven, the real prize... Is the person that we become in the 78 years that we have here on earth. No one saw this more clearly than Paul and, and then C.S. Lewis and then Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard's one of my favorite authors, and he said it this way He said, The most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. It's hard to, it's hard to agree with that sometimes because, you know, I want to win basketball games and <laughs> I want to live in a certain type of house and I want to do certain things at the church here and I want to, I want to do a lot of things. Anybody else? And a lot of times that's where my focus goes. That's where my energy flows. But the most important thing in this life, it's not what we do, it's not what we accomplish, it's not the amount of money that we make or the successes that we have. It's not. It's who we become. Why? Because that's what you will take with you into eternity. See, the prize is your character. So we got 78 years to transform into a type of person. And then once that 78 years is over, that's what we take into all of eternity, you're gonna be dead far longer than you're going to be alive. Now, for me, for me, that is a lot of motivation to be ye perfect because your heavenly Father is perfect. That is a lot of motivation to blow past this lie from the pit of hell that says, just relax. Don't take your faith too seriously. People really don't like it when you take your faith too seriously. They think you're, they think you're that, that, that weird Christian. That, they think you're that hypocrite. They think that all these Just relax. And then what, what happens is we relax. And we have just enough faith to make us miserable, but not enough faith to make us happy. And we don't run our race well. We don't run in such a way as to get the prize. And we don't transform and ultimately, we're trapped in a stronghold. So here's my question to you as we wrap up. How serious are you willing to take this? So I, I'm, I mean, as your pastor, I'm telling you, I'm 100% all in. I want to take my faith and my walk with God as seriously as I possibly can. I want to fast. I wanna sacrifice, I wanna give generously, I wanna tell my friends about Jesus, I wanna read the Bible every day, I wanna pray as much as I possibly can, I wanna become as kind and loving, and I'm gonna screw it up (laughs) every single day, okay? We're not talking about perfection, we're talking about how willing are you? How much do you wanna try? How serious are you? What would hold you back? Oh, I'm embarrassed. My family, and people at work. You're gonna be dead far longer than you're gonna be alive. <laughs> you're gonna wish in eternity that you had gone all in in your 78 years. I am too. I'm gonna to look back on my 78 years and go, "Oh man, I should have went harder. I should have gave more. I should have, I should have prayed more. I should have sacrificed more." Hindsight will be 2020. How serious are you willing to take your walk with God? Don't let Satan trap you. Don't let him build a stronghold in your mind. I hope today the truth of God's word has set you free. Now, as we wrap up, <laughs> there's some of you here today, you're, not, you're watching or you're one of our campuses. You're not even a believer. You're like someone invited you in. You're like, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> I'm Sorry, you had to sit through that, but that was insightful, I think, for you. If you're just kind of seeking and looking and searching, here's what I believe God would have you here today. Like the message of the cross is, 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 is for you today. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. And maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. Maybe you're not at a point where you'll agree yet. But we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. And God is loving, and, and we've heard a lot about God's love, and he is. And he loves all of us. But he, the other part of his character is that he's just. And what that means is he can't just sweep sin under the rug and say, oh, I'm gonna ignore it. Like it never happened, I'm, I'm all love. I just let everybody sin. I don't, I don't call anybody to account. No, that's not true. He is all loving and all merciful, but he's also a just God. And that means that he cannot overlook wrongdoing. Someone must pay. It's either gonna be you that pays or Jesus and the good news is that Jesus Christ paid the bill but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord like the wage the payment of sin is separation from God forever but because of God's love for you he sent Jesus to pay that penalty so you didn't have to is anybody else excited about that today come on guys And for some of you, you you have to hear this, you don't have to pay, it's been paid for you. Christ Jesus died on the cross, three days later he rose again so that you could be washed of your sin. He paid the penalty, will you trust him today? I'm not asking you to join a religion, I'm not asking you to join this church, I'm asking you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and start a relationship with him today. I did it when I was 17, I invite you to do it right now. I'm gonna say a simple prayer, take these words, make them your own and trust Christ today. Dear Jesus, I ask you to wash away my sin. I believe you died in my place. Thank you for paying the price. I ask you to cleanse me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. I trust in you, that you died for me, that you rose again so that I could be forgiven. And from this day forward, help me to be as godly as I can possibly be. Help me to go all in. It's in Jesus' name I pray. If you just prayed that prayer, our church would love to celebrate with you. Come on, guys. Whoa, wait, nice and loud. Come on, raise it high, all of our campuses. Amen. If you just trusted Christ, we would love to put a New Believer's Bible in your hand. Whatever campus you're at, they're in the back of the auditorium there. If you trusted Christ online, there's a little place there that you can check. Put your address in there. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, guys. Can we give God glory? Amen. I'm going to invite all of you right now at all of our campuses to stand up. We're going to close out really quick with a worship song. I would just love for you to worship God and thank him for his grace and thank him for his his mercy, for his sacrifice on the cross for you, and then we'll be dismissed.
1: A scandal of grace, you died in my place. So my soul will live. Oh, to be like you, I give all I have just to know
2: you. Jesus. There's no
1: Thank you so much just for this this time to worship you to hear um, from pastor Danny about how we can become more like your son Jesus we pray Lord that you would help us give us strength to put these words into practice as we go out uh, into our daily lives Lord help us to practice what we have have heard today from your word so that we can look more and more like Jesus we love you it's in his name we pray and everyone said Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next weekend. Bring a friend.